Welcome back, everybody, for another fun edition of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. Uh, you know, things are looking good. I just got some data. Uh, shows are looking good. I see a couple of you are rating finally, so I appreciate the ratings. Got a couple of good messages. So you're listening and loving it. I appreciate that. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was telling him about this whole Rolex Whiskey thing, and I think he didn't believe me that how big Rolex Whiskey was, so he Googled it. And it turns out there's actually like a pretty huge data source that catalogs all the whiskey influences. And I am number four in the world. I'm number one for followers. But this this measures actually I like this measurement because it measures engagement as well. So out of the top 80 that they take the time to give the information on, I'm number four. So pretty proud of all the work I put in for the last eight years. I get a ton of questions lately. Should I be buying? Should I be selling? Should I shake it to the left? Should I shake it to the right? So I kind of wanted to have an episode today on like, what is whiskey investing? And what is the current status of status of the market? Is it, you know, is it fear and panic? Or is it slow and steady wins the race? Or is it, you know, something else? It's going to explode. I don't know. But I'm definitely, obviously, have my finger on the pulse. And Brasco, my producer, there's an article that just came out about this, correct? Yeah. And I got to tell everybody beforehand, we did this twice before. Go back and look for the episodes because they're very good. They get Gavin's information like this is important. So there's a story that came out in Forbes, and the story is titled, Why Whiskey Will Never Be a Get-Rich-Quick Scheme. The writer's a broker, consultant, and a market analyst. So he's going to talk to people like Gavin about buying bottles. And... Talking about flipping bottles for whiskey for huge profits could be, you know, that there used to be a time like it was like flipping houses, but it's not so much like that anymore. And he says that, you know, you just need to be more patient in investing. You're not going to go ahead and flip bottles overnight. And then he gives a number of ideas of what to do. If you're going to go ahead and invest, he says that, first of all, there's a secondary whiskey market that is in flux, that you can still invest, but you just need to be smart about it. First, he says... Treat whiskey like any investment. Values can go up and down. So an only investment you can afford to lose, that's an obvious. And then buying bottles to flip will be riskier. So enter with caution if you're going to try to sell them quickly. And whether the flipping market's gone remains to be seen, but he thinks that there will still be people that are trying to flip whiskey both in volume and in value in 2024. More sellers, less buyers, because people have less disposable income to buy more. What do you think there, Gavin? Oh, I love that article. What was the gentleman's name who wrote the article? Oh, Mark Littler. All right, Mark's got his finger on the pulse. I mean, listen, you know, like anything else, it's basic eco economic macros, buyers and sellers, supply and demand. So what you have right now is you have a very interesting time where you actually do have supply. Like you are seeing more whiskey on the shelf than you ever saw. You just don't have demand. And now you also have more sellers than you have buyers. So it creates a very interesting, if you were going to like put this on a graph, there's a lot of crazy lines going on right now that are going down rather than go up. And it's scary. And I think what's it's scary, not for me, because I'll go back to his opening statement. This is a long-term play. This is not like buy now, sell tomorrow. So, you know, if you, if you know me and you've been following the whole Rolex whiskey, whiskey investment strategy, you know, I'm now 
five and a half years in, and I have eight more years. So the total in, the total strategy is going to be close to fifteen years, said or done, fourteen and change. You know, as soon as my eldest turns eighteen, it's all gone. But the basics are still the same. Buy low is the goal. So if you have an opportunity to buy a bottle of retail and you can afford to hold it, you buy it. Now, what is that bottle? Well, you want to buy something that people want. You know, I watch all these, shame, God bless him. But I watch these people all day long buying freaking Blantons and flipping it to make 10 bucks. Hey, probably should go get a job. Really should. Because like, I don't know how much more Blantons the world needs or could buy. And people need to start drinking Blantons. Now, if you're talking about higher end bottles, when I say higher end bottles, I'm going SRP north of $3,000. And believe it or not, there's not really that many bottles when it starts to go up to that. You have to buy stuff that has a buyer's market. You can't go wrong with McKellen. You can't go wrong with Suntory. You can't go wrong with Willett. You can't go wrong with Pappy Van Winkle. And there's a couple of other ones. You can't go Springbank, Bowmore. These are facing huge things. You can't, if you can get that stuff, it's just sit on it, hold it. Samaroli's making a comeback. These are all the things that I'm just buying hand over fist as much as I can right now. Because to be honest, what happens if there are less buyers? Well, the seller's price comes down. You know, we were selling stuff way over, way, way over what it was worth currently. But because everyone is in a feeding frenzy, you know, in the United States, maybe because, you know, the government was printing money and they were going ahead and buying stuff out of their league and paying a little bit too much. But that's all changed now. That's like creeping down and it's not falling down. I get people who come on Rolex Whiskey all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, everything's changed. It's dropping. I'm like, quantify that. Is bourbon off 80% or is bourbon off 10% or is it 15%? Because it's not that big. People are still buying all the pappies, all the mixtures. I mean, I look at my mixtures bottles and I've got out of my 800 bottles, probably 200 are mixtures. They're all money. And that's not going to change. It's just not going to change. So bottom line, like Mark's saying in this article, be smart, be wise, make decisions that are bigger picture, not to make $10 so you can go buy a sandwich and flip a bottle of Blanton's. Because that's not really whiskey investing. And I think 2024 is going to have a lot of changes. First of all, obviously, like we just discussed, there isn't as much demand as there was. There's more supply. Everybody decided to ramp up, so they're going to start flooding the market with that product. So my hope is that they start drinking it. Now, I know with Rare Pours, you know, the whiskey auction site where I have some minor equity in, we're starting to get a lot of bottles coming in which means that there's a lot of sellers. And I think that there's a lot of people panicking. I personally, Brasco, I like panic. Well, the, I mean, because you've been in this for so long, you understood it. You're, I mean, that's the thing. Anybody who's going to panic are those that have not been in this for a while and have not seen the trends go up and down. And are leveraged. You know, it's all fun and games because their buddy works at Total Wine and they were able, and I'm just giving an example. I don't know if their buddy works in Total Wine or works in Costco or works at Bevmo or Binnie's or Specs or anything. And their buddies get some access, and I'll throw out something random. Get some access to a Pappy Van Winkle 23-year-old, and they pay like 500 bucks. 
But they were really hoping that they were going to make five grand on it. And now it's 3,800. And they're like, well, shit, I already, <laughs> it's the old adage, you know? Hey, I haven't got the money yet, but I already spent it. But now I'm not getting as much. You know, I, when I used to do real estate, you would see the realtors, like they would calculate the commission before the house was sold. And then the house would sell for a lot less. And they were like in shock and awe because they'd already like signed a new car lease and bought sunglasses and booked 12 oh. vacations. Nothing's done till it's done. And I think we're not done. And I think you're going to see a lot of selling this year. And for a buyer like me, I'm like, bring it on. Let's keep buying. Now, going back to Mark's, Mark's article, do your research. Do your diligence. You know, what's changed, unfortunately, with these new releases that are hard to get, you know, Mictus 20, Mictus 25, the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, uh, the Pappy Van Winkle lineup, um, the McAllens, what's changed is not as many bottles are opened, which means that you don't know when your time to go to sell how many other people show up. I mean, on the last two European whiskey auctions, you would have thought every McAllen Distillery World Mexico was up there. Like literally everyone who got one put it up on there. And, you know, what does that happen? You, Suntory, the 100-year anniversaries, everyone and their mother listed those. So what does that do? Drags the price down. Yeah. Just does. And it's going to happen for a while. So I would really, like, really, really pick and choose. Like I said, me personally, I'm going for the older stuff right now. That's what I'm looking to buy more of. Um, it's slightly pricier, but in my mind, it's actually underpriced. Because when you start to go, and I, and I don't know any, everyone's financial situation, but when you start to go over that two, $3,000 bottle, um, there aren't that many people in that market. There's plenty of people in the hundreds. But once you start to go into thousands, there's not that many, which also means there's not that many buyers. So like, just take that intel with a grain of salt. Think about it like this too, Gavin. People have dollar signs in their heads because they see the kind of money that's going out for the older bottles in the first place. Just last year, okay, there was at there was an auction for the Bowmore Stack Fifty Five Year Old. It got I was there almost a million dollars. Sotheby's auction, yeah, nine hundred fifty one thousand eight hundred dollars. New record, and then it was a bottle of McAllen McAllen Adami nineteen twenty six that was about three million dollars. Yeah, wow, real, real, it's real. But in those spheres. You know, I was fortunate enough to be at the Sotheby's event with all of the everything there, the Distillers 101. Number one, it's a great thing. It's for charity. It's probably the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Probably the most amazing whiskey I've had the privilege of being in the room to enjoy. And thirdly, it's for a great cause. So you, the prices are slightly inflated, but those are one of one bottles. One of one. That's it. Never going to do it again. Boom, done. In my, If I had all the money in the world, Shit, my goal one day is to show up to that event and buy them all and be like, have the ultimate FU whiskey bar, like nobody's business. And hey, side note, remember, I've also been buying crypto for the last 10 years. And if all that continues to do what it is, maybe I'll be able to pull that off. You mean, how much did you buy Bitcoin? Is it 51,000 today? Nah, I've been buying grass for the last 10 years. Wow. Put it that way. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a crazy time right now. But going back to like the whole whiskey thing, it's different because 
there's just more sellers than there are buyers. And as people start to get more uneasy, it's going to create more panic. And as more articles to come start to come out, it's going to create more panic. Can I and give you some more stats all kinds of the of panic? I got yeah, more numbers for you. I got those. I love it. All right. So secondary whiskey market data experts are saying now the Brewera 30-year special release 2009, for instance, which would be $4,000. Now the pricing on it is half that. And it hasn't been that low since 2019. And then on top of that, the 500 most historically traded whiskeys are down 8% of their market value in November 2023. Biggest one-month loss since these they were tracking whiskey, whiskey prices in 2015 half than what they originally were. So when you're talking about the money, yeah, if you have the money, the prices are so good right now, if you can buy. Well, I mean, how sad is the guy that paid four grand and it's worth two grand and he's still holding? I mean, one of the biggest things that me and Daniel, when you know, when we're with the whole rare pours and the whiskey auction and the whiskey marketplace, one of the biggest things that we were talking about is like there's three stages of, 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 I wouldn't say investing, buying, selling, but there's three stages. Number one is denial. Oh, it's just going to keep going up forever and it's going to be great. Number two is, oh, this is just a temporary setback. It's going to bounce back. And number three is all panic. And I think that's what we're getting to right now. You know, like that price hits four grand. Everybody bought them because they thought it was going to be five grand. Okay. Then it went to three grand and they said, oh, don't worry. It's going to bounce back up to four grand. It's going to be five. Now it's two grand. They're like, oh shit, what do I do? I mean, those are the phone calls and the emails that we're getting for rare pours of the, oh shit, what can I do? So one of your just former guests, oh, one of your former guests, Daryl Haldane, we had him back on in November. Yeah. Yeah. So he makes the point that now it's the big trophy bottles, quote, that are still doing well. He says it's the top tier bottles. Those are the ones to sell right now. Of course, limited buyers. If the buyers aren't, you see, you see, a buyer wants what nobody else can have. Mm -hmm. A buyer also wants, can be tricked into believing that it's what nobody else when supply is limited. Perfect example would be the Van Winkle, you know, the the series or the or the Buffalo Trace BTAX. It was so hard to find that you'd pay whatever ten grand for the set, twelve grand for the set. But now it's not so hard and it's eight grand. Well, I don't want that now. I liked it when it was really hard to find. All right, where can I move my money? All right, let's go trophy hunting. And Daz is spot on. Those are the big bottles, the big Bowmores, the, the Bowmore Blacks from the 1960s. Like those are coming on auction now. 14 grand, 18 grand, 30 grand, 40 grand. Those are coming on. McAllen just released Tails 2. It's 85,000 pounds, I think, starting. It'll sell out. It'll be done like everything else. Like there are those people. I may not be able to relate. I admire them. I love the fact that with the money, they choose to buy exquisite, legendary whiskey. I think that's the coolest thing you can do and enjoy, you know. But, you know, you're talking about few and far between individuals. Now, there's more from Daryl. It was like some of when it comes to if you're going to go and buy for any brands well some of the ones he actually represents uh beyond what he what he represents he's also saying that you know to look at the kind of brands like harris distillery which produces herac if i'm saying that right yep i yep yep i drank it with him when i was in scotland yep 
And, you know, he's also saying, you know, do some experimentation, try some lesser known brands to see what happens. And, you know, he also shouts out that uh, restaurant, uh, the Glen Turret Distillery over in, um, uh, in Scotland, which you have to go to, go to, right? Yes. yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. They just got their second Michelin star, just superstars there. Yeah. All of that right there. So, like, it, it's taking your time. But now, at the, the the big trophy bottles, like, what is it that identifies a big trophy bottle? What's the price range? What is the quality? Like, what huh. identifies? I think I think it's I think it's the the history, the history on it of the distillery and who made it. I mean, you know, the big names. I mean, the fact that Diageo just you know Port Ellen is back cranking away. I mean, that's a legendary name in the whiskey manufacturing and distillery business. You know, Bowmore's having a heyday. Springbank's having a heyday. Um, you know. McAllen's still having a heyday. They got some old stuff. They just released some, a couple of 70-year-olds, the 80, like I said, the 80-year-old. Like, it's all there. Um, you know, mixtures, the bourbons are hitting the 20s, the 25s. Like, there's just a lot of action happening right now from established names with great, great whiskey. What's the price range, though? I mean, as low as six grand and as high as a hundred grand, I see. Like all day long, you know. I mean, you have to understand. You have to understand yeah. these guys who are buying it. They have multi-million-dollar wine collections too, and luxury car collections. Like this is just another thing for them to buy. Right, right, right. That somebody else can't have. I mean, the age-old thing. What do you want? Stuff that other people can't have. That doesn't change. No. Not at all. I got to ask you a quick question. Now, for those people that are, I don't know if you want to go and kind of, if you mind if I kind of pivot to the fact that we're talking about the size buyers that have those big trophy bottles. If the bottles are not something they're looking at, what do you think about the fact that there are some changes that are going on about owning whiskey casks? Oh, love it. You know, with World Whiskeys, you know, Jay and I formed that, you know, two years ago almost now. And I think we got three casks now in the in the investment on top of the bottles that we've, you know, the members, we all pitch in and we own casks. I love casks. I think casks are the coolest thing yet. It's like buying your own fingerprint. It's like it's unique. Every barrel is different. You know, the, the, the mastery that happens for the whiskey that you drink on the shelf is because somebody touches it and makes it exactly like you remember. Those single casks haven't been touched. They're just raw and i think that's the excitement of every barrel i've ever drank you know from the barrel they're all different they're all close don't get me wrong brasco if they use the same kind of recipe breakdown they're going to come out pretty close but they're never going to be exactly the same you know the true true master distillers are the ones that like when they get that whiskey they make it taste exactly like you remember those single casks they're just pieces of that puzzle and i think that's been a big business i mean the boys out in ireland i forget their name but you know they have a huge i mean i think they're managing thousands of barrels tens of thousands of barrels because hedge funds are investing in whiskey same as they do wine same as they do watches same as they do jewelry same as they do art same as they do furniture same as they do real estate there's there's a thing for spirits luxury spirits now, what about the part with whiskey casks about where you have them? Because I was looking from another story that talks about how in Britain, 
they're actually, they don't uh, charge capital gains taxes on. So the investors are not dealing with that now. And the profit now, if you know, they, they actually are not going to get charged taxes for holding on to them because of the fact that they are being stored in casks. Whiskey's being sort of casks made from wood. Wood is porous, the whiskey you breathe. Natural evaporation inside all casks, known as the angel's share. And, yep. you know, if the profits exceeded the allowance, then that these investors would actually, whiskey bottle investors would need to pay capital gains tax, taxes. But Well, I, I mean, cask, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about taxes. And, you know, I, I'd imagine none of it really happens until it gets bottled. You know, there's a value. The longer the whiskey sits, the more it goes up in value. It's just how it is. You know, like they don't charge you at a restaurant the same same price for the piece of meat that they buy at the store. They charge you the cooking, the ca- like all of that stuff has more money to it. The same as whiskey. They can't possibly charge you, you know, the, there would be no taxes if they did it the, the other way. So it makes total sense to me. I mean, I think that you're going to see because whiskey has become so big, like everything else, there are going to be more tax classes about it. And there should be. I mean, it's like every other asset. It should be documented. Just should be. Because I'm trying to think of the fact that, okay, the money, I mean, and always, I would imagine too, Gavin, and all this time you've been investing yourself, when you collect and you collect on a, on a sale, you're reinvesting in it. You're not necessarily just putting it in your pocket. You're uh, well, back in. Correct. Or you trade up. You don't actually even put the money. There is no money. You got, you, you give someone a bottle, you pay two grand and they give you one that's worth four grand. Now your cost basis is four grand. Because then that's the idea. It's like, I mean, so for those who are looking to get into the investment, they have the money to go ahead and put into it, go for the bottles, and then look. The truth. I, I think we cast. have to be real clear before we go down this road. We are not offering any financial advice, nor are we financial advisors. You handle it how you want. I personally keep a spreadsheet of the costs, what the worth is. Hey, in seven and a half years, eight years, when I go to sell, we'll figure it all out over there. You know, but at the end of the day, if you're truly doing it a true investment strategy, then you should have paperwork. Be silly not to, but like, hey, I'm I'm not the one, I'm not the financial advisor. I mean, just remember, I did this whole thing on a whim. You know, my kid was laying in hospital. I was like, how cool would it be to have an alternative investment strategy, aka the kid's college fund? I had no idea it would grow into such a big amount of money. And let me just tell you, that money, like any other asset, I'm not pocketing it when I sell it. I'm moving it into another appreciating asset, highly likely real estate. But it's one of those things that I look at for myself. It's like trading up, trading right. up and trading up and trading up. Because like you said, 6000 to 100000 that's your, what we, maybe would be the very top tier of those trophy bottles like Daryl mentioned. So the thing is, mm-hmm. you know, if people can make that kind of money, yeah, it's obvious people will have those wishful thinking. Okay, well, if we make it to this level, here's the next level. 100%. But unfortunately, there's a lot of there's a lot of vultures in the middle of it. So I'll give you I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. You get um a person like so at at most liquor not, not most liquor chains will charge just they have a number. If they buy the bottle for ten dollars, they sell it for twelve dollars, no more. You know, like that's just the rules that they offer. Now, if somebody that's if somebody buys it for twelve bucks but it's worth twenty, you know, like they're getting a hell of a deal. So some of these big bottles, it's kind of crazy because they're in the know, 
or they have a friend and they'll go buy it. And now they, they own a bottle that's worth a lot of money. And they move that bottle. Like a liquor store gets allocated X number of bottles. If they want more, they will go, you know, they, they manage to get their hands on it. And if they manage to get their hands on it, there's a lot of money at stake over there. One other question. I'm taking from another story here from Luxury Lifestyle Magazine, also talking about the art of whiskey collecting. Interesting question here about where to buy the limited editions or, or to buy those particular rare and collectibles. Do you find it from a retailer? Well, or do you go to the distillery no, itself? No. No, you're not going to get them there. I mean, you could. I mean, now that the, the distilleries are getting so much better about having the product available and being able to get them over there because they realize it's such a big market. I mean, when I was in Scotland last year, you know, there are five, six, fifty thousand dollar bottles sitting at, you know, distilleries. There really are. And it's a great score because those bottles would cost you a lot more in the market. But still, you know, limited buyers. But it's cool to see, you know, a fifty thousand dollar bottle at a distillery. That's pretty darn cool to see. But remember, duty free has been doing that for years. You know, some of the big duty free houses around the world, you know, like a Dubai or a Changi or a, or a Heathrow or or a um, JFK, they'll have twenty, thirty thousand dollar bottles there in duty free. But now, I personally, I like to buy on auction because it gives me the biggest variety to look at in one sitting, and I don't have to leave my house. That's just me personally. Well, also, where the bottles are being, set, are being held, like in terms of how many locations, how many people have to have their hands on that bottle, how yeah, far is it traveled? It's called provenance. Like, you know, is it real? Mm. You know, just like wine, just like art, just like most things, there's people that make fake whiskey. It's very scary, but they do it. Why? There's money. And, and they fall on the fact that nobody would know. You know, like when you, like how many people have drank $100,000 whiskey? Not many. So if you were shady and were able to counterfeit that, like you could probably get away with it because they're probably not going to open it. It sucks. It sucks. Those people should be like taken out back and beaten, but they do exist. And that would scare the shit out of me personally. Like I, I am so scared. Like I try to buy my bottles either directly from the person that bought it the first time or like reputable auction houses or distillery direct. Like, that's how I try to buy bottles because I would be so upset in many, many ways. I would use my anger to if, if somebody sold me a fake bottle. So, I want to ask because we're coming up on 30 minutes, and I know we like to these, yeah. little, these little luxury yeah. spirits investment chats. By the way, that's how we label it here on the, on the project. So, look for the podcast. There's already been two other parts. This will be part three. So, if you're looking for these specific, look for those. Luxury Spirits Investment Chat. That's exactly how they're titled. I wanted to bring up one more story, and that was one thing that was like, I know you want to talk about investing, but this was really fascinating to me. Whiskey becoming a thing in China, because now there's a very much tradition about the kind of drinks that the Chinese will go ahead and uh, imbibe on when they're having certain particular parties. It's uh, like a kind of like a fermented punch. But now... Mm-hmm you're seeing more scotch whiskey being replaced with what was called Baijiu. And it's, you know, there's still a place, but right now younger consumers, they've gotten the taste of whiskey. They're having that to have a family and friends. And especially for the Lunar New Year that just came up, that's what they're talking about, that they're opting for whiskey. Uh, Well, 
it's prestigious, it's worth money, people are talking about it, it's great to kind of show off if you've got money. I mean, I'm, I remember watching on one of the channels, like, the wealth in China is like next level. Like, they, were, they showed like a, a, a Rolls Royce store, and they went in there and there were no cars. It was a full dealership, no cars. And he's like, yeah, we're getting some cars in on Thursday. And he's like, cool, I'll come back on Thursday. And he got there like at 11 in the morning and there was one car left. And he's like, oh, you only got one car? He's like, no, we got 12. There's 11 are gone. And they pay cash there. It isn't like the whole credit system. So I'm not surprised whiskey has now showed up over there. Why would it not? Got a great way to spend your money. Go buy luxury whiskey. So 2022... They sold $2.3 billion of whiskey in China. By 2027, it's supposed to triple. It's supposed to triple. <laughs> I mean, why not? I, it, doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all. And they say that the, uh, like the, the, most, the, the buyers are usually young, middle-class, urban-educated, and more female drinkers than you would expect. Yeah, I could believe that. I could so, believe that. But the thing is now, I mean... Do you see it where, man, there's obviously been branded all the, out there for whiskey, but it's like, you know, would international brands go to China? Would they go ahead and set up shop because the market's there for it? Well, they've been doing it around China. I mean, Korea's had a long, Singapore's had a long, I mean, there's huge whiskey communities there. So yeah, of course, it's coming. You know, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know how they operate over there, but like all around it, it's there. But do you see any Chinese investors at this point? Are they starting to jump in there with I the yen and start going at it? I haven't yet, but uh -huh. I was at an event where there was a gentleman of Chinese descent, and he almost spent a lot of money, but he had to call the family office to get permission. Oh. <laughs> wow. And, and the response back to the and time was of the essence, and that's why it didn't happen. But it was interesting because... He called the family office and they didn't say, no, you can't go spend all this money. They just said, we need to know more information before we can let you spend the money. And he just didn't have the time to get that information. Yeah. Yeah. But they're coming. It's coming. I think That's they're going to be the next hugest group of buyers if they're not already. And so they're also saying that among the whiskeys that are being very popular in China is the, the Pernod Ricard. Um, uh, mm -hmm. so it's, uh, Jameson, Jameson, beef eater. Absolutely. So they're going for the normal, like run of the mill. We haven't mentioned Johnny Walker yet, but, uh, <laughs> uh you know, I had to do that, but yes. you know, the Agio is actually already opening up a plant in the Yunnan province in December yeah. this year. And they're already trialing production and they'll have full operations coming up later in the year. And they already are opening up an Asia Pacific Innovation Hub in Shanghai. So yeah, Diageo is already jumping yeah. in there. Why not? They need. They need. They're to find so smart. New... They are yeah. so smart. It's like it's like seriously that crew over there. It's like a sign goes up for Batman and whiskey. They go in and they take over. They build it out. They they flash. They smile. They do it. They are professional at their jobs. They're also doing homegrown distilleries there. There are some that have opened up as well. Between thirty and fifty right now in the country. I mean, I don't, I don't know where that goes, but I mean, every every country makes their own liquor in some way, shape, or form. Hey, let them make the whiskey. I mean, you got great water, you got great grains, you make whiskey. Does Gavin plan to go make a trip to China then? As a result, this is I don't know. I mean, I got, I got so many other places to go first, right? But you never don't count any of them out for me. You know, like if there's something and there's 
there's something fun and there's a there's a historical piece to it and there's kind of like a, a bit of a geeky side to it. I'm in. You know, I just can't go everywhere. I mean, I just booked a another Scotland trip and that's gonna be just bananas. Um, so we'll go from there. But Brad, I know we've used some good time. We're gonna keep this up, guys and girls who are listening. Like, I wanna give you the current state of affairs. We're gonna do these things like quarterly and like where's the market, what's it doing, where's it going? Give my two cents. You can take it or leave it. I want to thank everybody for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Brasco, I couldn't do any of this without you. So I appreciate you. Sir. Thank you very That's much. That's a wrap. Appreciate everyone for listening. And we'll chat soon.